0: We've been talking about how to train up children who will not rebel, and your notes for tonight are on the back of your bulletin. We used the insert this morning, and so if you'll follow along there on the back. There are several things that we've talked about already. We talked about if we're going to raise children that will not rebel, first of all, we get your parents' blessing for your marriage. We start out right. Second thing we talked about was conquer all anger. And then we talked about confessing the iniquities of our forefathers. We talked about comprehend a correct view of children. This world's got a messed up view about children, don't they? And then fifthly, select a meaningful name for each child. Choose a name. Think about what that name means. Dedicate each child to God for great works. And then equip each child with pre-birth training. And then the last one we talked about was considering the health benefits of biblical instruction. Now A lot of these are not just for children and not just for parents training children. They apply to all of us. And some of the things we're going to talk about tonight apply to all of us as well. And we won't get through all the notes you have there. Maybe we'll get about half of them tonight. But first of all, this evening, we want to look about, look at, Developing security in each child by giving them wise limitations. Giving wise limitations to our children. We read the verse in Psalm 104 and verse 9. And it says, Thou hast set a bound that they may not pass over. That they turn not again to cover the earth. Now he's talking about the waters. God set boundaries for them. And all through life, God has set limitations and boundaries for us. And the same thing is true for our children. They need to have boundaries, they need to have limitations. I know many years ago when we lived in the house next door over here, our kids were young, and we had to set boundaries that they couldn't get out towards Turkey Foot Road. We didn't set those limits or boundaries because we didn't like our kids or didn't want them to have fun. We wanted to protect them. We wanted to keep them safe. And God has limits. God has boundaries for us. When a baby is allowed to crawl anywhere he wants, he really develops a sense of insecurity. And so early in life, every child needs to learn that life is made up of various types of limitations. A lot of parents need to learn that too, amen? A lot of teenagers need to learn that. Each person has their own private space, amen? We don't like people to get in our private space, do we? We don't like them to get too close, or whatever the case may be. Actually, all private property is based on limitations of rights and ownership. And teaching our children limitations will help them to avoid later in life demanding whatever they see and whatever they want we start giving them limitations early in life in fact at birth and soon after we set limitations if not then everything's theirs there's no off limits limitations are also necessary to protect our children as i said from harmful things and from danger and we want to check but we want to protect them obviously so as we think about this matter of limitations first of all limitations are the basis of learning obedience. If there's no limitations, then they don't have to obey, do they? We set limitations because early in life we want to begin to teach our children to obey. It's interesting that God created Adam and Eve with wisdom, but without original sin. And yet the first thing God gave them was limitations, didn't he? In Genesis 2, verses 16 and 17, it says, And the Lord God commanded man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. Adam and Eve hadn't sinned yet. They didn't even have a sinful nature yet. But God gave them limitations. And the same limitations is in place for us today. And it's related to this matter of obedience. In Romans 16, verse 19, it says, For your obedience has come abroad unto all men. I am glad, therefore, on your behalf, but yet I would have you wise unto that which is good and simple concerning evil. God doesn't want us to know everything about evil. We're to be wise about that which is good, but simple about that which is evil. 1 Corinthians 14.20 says, Brethren, be not children in understanding, howbeit in malice be ye children, but in understanding be ye men. So limitations are the basis for obedience. Secondly, expect children to test their limitations. And all God's parents said, Amen. amen. They're going to test your limitations, aren't they? And they know where they can test them. They know where your buttons are. They know what to push, what to do. We've all tested the limitations in various areas of our life. You see that sign that says wet paint. (laughs) And you touch it. (laughs) Don't walk on the grass. Even got some traffic signs that say one way. (laughs) But I was only going one way, you know. (laughs) We got limitations and we test them, don't they? Don't we? One of the motivations of a child is exploration. And that's a good thing. They want to explore. The child will go places and do things that simply satisfy their curiosity. And at this point in their development, there is no understanding of danger. So we have to set limitations to protect them. It's the responsibility of parents to explain the dangers to our children. And we do that. We tell them, don't touch, hot, hot, burning, and all kinds of things. We want to protect them so that they don't get hurt. And we also want to protect them and teach them because we don't want them to have to learn through suffering. Amen? And that's the same for us as adults. God doesn't want us to have to learn through suffering. He wants us to listen to and follow the limitations that he gives to us. When parents set limits for their children, you can't expect these limits to be tested. Along with the limits, the children must also know what the consequences will be. What happens if you go beyond those limits? What happens if you break the limitations that are given? God confirms this important point. When he set the limit for Adam and Eve, and he said to them, he said, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. But then he gave the consequences, didn't he? He said, For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. When we give our children limitations, make sure they know what the consequences are for breaking those limitations. Let them know there are consequences. Let them know what they will be. If parents discipline a child their wrong actions, without explaining the consequences that will come, the child will tend to get bitter and rebellious when they receive those consequences. On the other hand, if the child understands what the punishment will be and they willfully disobey what you've told them, then that child will know that the limit is firm and that child will then develop a sense of security in their life. You know, some parents have the idea that I don't want to warp the personality of my little precious child. Well, God's made a place that can be warped a little bit. But as we enforce the limitations, we build security in the lives of our children. Thirdly, teach your children the meaning of the word no. Teach them the meaning of the word no. And I can say this to us as adults. There's some adults don't know the meaning of the word no. Amen? We need to learn it. Before a child learns how to communicate with words, the child begins to learn the meaning of words from the facial expressions and the body language of their parents. A parent cannot just say no to a young child. You have to get down on the level of that child and look right in their eyes how many times have you said to your child, look in my eyes, you know. <laughs> you want to communicate more than just with words. A sad expression, a shaking of your head, no. Continue to look in the eyes of your child will help to communicate your message to them. Not just to the head, the brain up here, but to their heart and to their reins, the Bible talks about their innermost being. And we as parents have to be very consistent when we set limitations. We cannot arbitrarily change the limits. Amen? The word no does not mean sometimes. It does not mean not now. It does not mean maybe. Children also expect fairness in the limitations that are given to them. This will create a problem as the Older children in the home begin to be given greater freedom in some areas than the the younger ones. But when it comes to moral issues, there is no wavering. Amen. Right is right and wrong is wrong. Yes is yes and no is no. And so we have to be firm and be consistent. One of the problems I see with young people today is they know where the limit is, but they know how to push the limit, test it, And they also know how far the parents will go. When I was a kid growing up, when my mom would say, Tim, come here, I knew I should come. But when she said, Timothy, I knew I better listen. If she said, Timothy, Andrew, then I knew I was in trouble. (laughs) Isn't it interesting that our kids learn that pretty quickly, how far they can go before they really have to do what we're telling them to do? They know what the limits are. And then fourthly, help each child to understand causes and effects. Again, as parents, we need to know that. As adults, as teenagers, we need to know their causes, their effects. Wisdom and understanding are knowing the benefits or the consequences of every thought, every word, and every action. This is the training that parents must give their children during the very early years. You see, much of our training has to be done in those 1 and 2 and 3 and 4 and 5 and 6. If we get the training in in those early years, it'll be a whole lot easier in the later years. The Bible is a continuous account of those who obeyed God's commandments and obeyed God's limitations and were blessed of God. And also of those who rejected God's way and rejected God's word and experienced His destruction. The book of Proverbs has a wealth of wisdom on cause and effect sequences. An excellent book to read to your children, even as we talked about uh, previously, training the children even in the womb to read the Scripture to the child even in the womb. Proverbs is a good place to start and a good place to read to them. The example in in the, the Bible of the story of Abraham. Abraham, you remember in Genesis chapter 12, lied about his wife being his sister. And as we teach that to our children, we can point out to them that the riches that Pharaoh gave him because of his lies were riches that were ill-gotten gain. And God warns us in Proverbs 21, 6, the getting of treasures by a lying tongue is vanity tossed to and fro of them that seek death. It goes on and says in Genesis 15, verses 12 through 14, it says, and when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram. And lo, and horror of great darkness fell upon him. And he said unto Abram, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in the land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred years. And also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge, and afterward shall they come out with great substance. Now think about this, cause and effect. Abraham lied about his wife, Sarah. He got some ill-favored gain that came to him as a result of all that. But the children of Israel spent 400 years of slavery to pay back Pharaoh for the riches that came from lying. There's causes and there's consequences. Causes and effects. And then also teach your children to fear the Lord. Teach your children to fear the Lord. Proverbs 16:6 6 says, By the fear of the Lord it is by the fear of the Lord that men depart from evil. When we teach our children at an early age to fear God, it is by that fear of the Lord that they depart from evil. It's not enough just to know the wrong actions and know the consequences that come as a result of it. Every child has to learn that our God has a direct and personal interest in every thought and every word and every deed that we do. The fear of the Lord is essentially to avoid the future rebellion of our sons and daughters. If we don't teach them to fear the Lord, they'll rebel. What is the fear of the Lord? And I want to spend a little bit of time talking about this as we teach our children, as we, every one of us, learn the matter of the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is a continual awareness that God is watching and evaluating every one of my thoughts, my words, my deeds. God is watching. We used to teach the kids a little song that said, Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. There's a father up above looking down in tender love, so be careful, little eyes, what you see. What what are we teaching? We're teaching them to fear the Lord. Not the, the wrong kind of a fear, but to understand God's watching. And if our kids understand, and if we as adults understand, God is watching everything we do. It will affect the way we live. One day we must give an account to God for every one of our deeds and one of our, every one of our actions. So as we, th- we think about the fear of the Lord, let me give you some verses. These are, I don't think these are written on your notes, but you might find some white space there in your page and jot them down. Proverbs 14, verse 3, and I'm going to give you a number of verses. Proverbs 14, 3 says, The eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good. Now let me ask you a question. Is that a good verse to teach our children? Do they need to know that the eyes of the Lord are in every place? How many of you understand when you were growing up, somehow your mom just knew everything? How did she know that? Well, how does God know it? God sees everything, doesn't he? Mom and dad don't see everything, and we're not always there to watch over our kids. But we want our kids to know when we're not there, God is still there. And he's beholding the evil and the good. Proverbs 5.21 says, The ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he pondereth all his goings, or all his ways. God's eyes, again, it says, the ways of man, the things that we do, are before the eyes of the Lord. And God ponders what we do. He sees, he knows. Jeremiah 16, 17 says, For my eyes are upon their ways. They are not hid from my face, neither is their iniquity hid from mine eyes. Boy, what a tremendous truth to teach our children. Again, God's eyes are upon their ways. He's watching you. And we'll give an account to Him. Psalm 139, verse 4 says, For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether." God not only sees everything I do, He hears every word I say. He hears what I say. Psalm 139, 12. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. Isn't that interesting? Night and day is the same to God. He can see just as well at nighttime as he can in the daytime. Our kids need to know God's watching them day and night all the time. Jeremiah thirty-two nineteen says great in counsel and mighty in word for thine eyes are open upon all the ways of the sons of men to give everyone according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. In other words God says there's going to be consequences. Hebrews 4 13 I like this neither is there any creature that is not manifest in in his sight but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. All things are open and naked before the Lord he sees everything. Genesis 13, 16 says, Thou, God, seest me. God sees you. Hebrews 13, 5, God himself said this, and we use it as an encouragement a lot of times, but our kids need to know it. God said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. You think our children need to know God's always with them? He sees, he knows, he's never going to leave them, he's never going to forsake them. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive of the things done in his body according to, that, to what he hath done, whether it be good or bad. We, me, you, husband, wife, dad, mom, children, we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. We're going to give an account to God. What does all these verses do? It helps us understand what the fear of God is. We have a healthy, proper fear of God. One of the things you might want to do is take some of those verses. Take a verse each month. Put it on the mirror. Put it on a three-by-five card or write, let them write it out themselves. Put it on a piece of paper. Put it on the mirror in their home. Tell you what else you can do. Uh, depends on how old you are. You may want, not want, might want to get one of the kids to do it for you. Put it on the ceiling above their bed so when they lay down, they can look up and see the verse. Amen? Some of us go to a chiropractor when you lay down on that bench. She has verses up there or statements up there. Keep the Word of God. Keep those verses before your children. Teach them. Help them to get to know them. God has given to all children a foundation for fearing Him by writing His law in their hearts and in their minds. Then also I want you to notice, what are the rewards for learning the fear of God? What are the rewards It is only as children learn the fear of God that they will have a healthy reverence for those that have authority in their lives. That includes parents. That includes police officers, doesn't it? Our children need to have a healthy reverence for those that are in authority. On the other hand, the rewards of learning the fear of the Lord are marvelous. There's some wonderful rewards as we learn to fear God and as we learn to understand that He's always watching us. There's some wonderful rewards. First of all, they are given the secrets of God. The secrets of God. Psalm 25 verse 14 says, The secret of the Lord is with them that fear Him, and He will show them His covenant. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear Him. That's good for all of us. They also receive special protection. As we fear the Lord, the reward, one of the rewards is we get special protection from God. Psalm 33, verses 18 and 19 says, Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear Him, upon them that that hope in His mercy, to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. God says He gives special protection to those that fear the Lord. And then they get all their needs for living. Psalm 34, verse 9 says, Oh, fear the Lord, ye His saints... For there is no want to them that fear Him. That's a pretty good promise, isn't it? There's no want to them that fear Him. They get all their needs for living. They also have the foundation for wisdom. When we fear the Lord, Psalm 111 verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's The beginning of wisdom. And then also the fear of the Lord, the reward is that they and their children will be blessed. You want the blessings of God on your life and on your children? You learn to fear the Lord. Psalm 115, 13, and 14. He will bless them that fear the Lord, both small and great. The Lord shall increase you more and more, you and your children. How many of you want your children to be blessed? How many of you want to be blessed? Where do we get that from the fear of the Lord? Learn to have a proper fear. And then also they give the Lord special ple- ple- pleasure. We give special pleasure to the Lord when we learn to fear Him. Psalm 147, 11 says, The Lord taketh pleasure in them that fear Him and those that hope in His mercy. Think about that for a minute. Do you want to give God pleasure? Amen? God says we can do that as we learn to fear the Lord. And then we also increase our health. Proverbs 3, 7, and 8, Be not wise in thine own eyes, fear the Lord, and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel, and marrow to thy bones. The fear of the Lord helps us with our health. And then also we have the ability to hate evil. Proverbs 8 and verse 13 says, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. When we fear the Lord, you fear God, and we know that if we do evil, we suffer the consequences, then what do we do? We hate evil. We don't want those consequences. And so we hate the evil that is there. And then also, those that fear the Lord enjoy a longer life. Proverbs ten twenty seven says, The fear of the Lord prolongeth days, but the years of the wicked shall be shortened. I had the privilege of being raised in a preacher's family. We had nine kids. Two of my brothers, I believe, died prematurely. My youngest brother was killed in a motorcycle accident when he was 27 years old. He had said that God had called him to be an evangelist, to preach and be an evangelist. Then he began to run from that and run from the Lord. And he ran to a point where God said, okay, that's as far as I let you go. And He was driving his motorcycle one day and a van pulled out at a traffic light. The young man who was driving the van, sun was in his eyes. He didn't see the light change. He pulled out. My brother T-boned him and killed him instantly. I believe my brother was running from the Lord. and He didn't have the privilege of having a longer life because he didn't fear the Lord. My second youngest brother died at age 42 with a massive heart attack. He too felt the call of God to preach and actually pastored a church for a while. and Then he resigned the church and he was running a business making good money, and began to get involved with things that he shouldn't be involved in. And one thing led to another, and he began to run from the Lord. And at 42 years of age, he was out one day doing these paintball games. It was in August in the heat. He had all that fatigue outfit on, and they were to meet back at noon for lunch, and he didn't show up. They went looking for him, and when they found him, he had a massive heart attack. The doctor said his heart literally exploded. He died at 42 years of age. He didn't enjoy a longer life. He suffered, I believe, the consequences of not fearing the Lord. And then also the Bible says they experienced an abundant life. See, when we obey the Lord, not only do we have a longer life, but God says you can have an abundant life. He says in Proverbs 14, 27, the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to depart from the snares of death. It's a fountain of life, abundant life. Also, those that fear the Lord are motivated to reject evil. Proverbs 16.6 says, By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged, and by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. You know, when I was growing up, also, as I mentioned, I was raised in a preacher's home. My dad was a pretty strict guy. And, uh, in fact, if dad was living today and I was a child today, he'd probably be arrested for child abuse in the way our society is going today. But I survived it and it helped me and I grew up to be what God wanted me to be. But knowing my dad and knowing the consequences, it caused me many times to reject evil. We had nine kids, so I think dad had the biggest garden in the county. And we all had our responsibilities in the garden to hoe the corn, to weed, to... to, to uh, Cut the suckers off the of tomatoes, some of you know what that is on the tomato plants, and uh, we used to have to take a day off school every spring and plant potatoes and uh, we would We would cut the potatoes up, and you know why they put potatoes in plastic bags before you plant them it 's to keep the dirt out of their eyes, so I know that's the, that, but anyway, we had to take time to we had to take time. To work in the garden. And sometimes dad would go off to work and he'd say, now boys, when I get home, I want this and this and this and this done. Well, we knew that when dad got home, it better be done. The fear of dad caused us to reject evil. One day the Lord's coming back and we're going to stand before him and the fear of God causes us to reject evil as well. Amen? Because we're going to give an account to him. And then also those that fear the Lord receive riches, honor, and life. In Proverbs chapter 22 verses, by humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. And then also they overcome the fear of people. In Proverbs chapter 29 verse 25 it says, The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe." You see, the more a man fears God, the less he fears people. But the more a man fears people, the less he fears God. And so God says to us, there are some rewards of learning to fear the Lord, and God wants us to receive those. Our children need to know about that. It will help them to fear God. It will help them to turn out right and live for Him. So then the question is, how does a child learn to fear the Lord? How are we going to teach our children? How are we going to learn to fear the Lord? The Bible makes it clear that fearing the Lord is not a natural response. It must be learned. We have to learn. We have to teach them. And it can be taught in several ways. And that's on your notes there. First of all, instill a strong desire to be wise. Teach your children to be wise. This is the first step in learning the fear of the Lord because the fear of the Lord is a byproduct of seeking after wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Look with me a minute at Proverbs chapter 2 beginning in verse number 1. Proverbs chapter 2. I want you to look at these verses that God gives to us there. Proverbs chapter 2, and look at verse number 1. Proverbs 2, verse 1. We understand that Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived, recorded most of these Proverbs for us. And he says in verse 1, My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, So that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom, and apply thine heart to understanding. Yet if thou criest after knowledge, and liftest up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver, and searchest for her as for hid treasures, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord, and find the knowledge of God. A strong desire to be wise. A strong desire to fear the Lord. A wise son or a daughter will bring joy to their parents. Wisdom is also a powerful response to foolish uh, suggestions that come from our friends. When a young boy was asked one day by his friends to get involved in some wrongdoing, he shook his head and he said to his friends, he said, No, and they said, Why not? And he said with confidence, he said, Because that's not a wise thing to do. And that answer silenced his friends and increased their respect for him. You see, as we teach our children wisdom, it helps them to understand. There are some things they're just not wise to do. Secondly, explain the fear of the Lord and its rewards. Explain. We've just talked about some of how to do that in verses of Scripture to use. By having your child read these verses on the fear of the Lord and the accompanying rewards that come with them, they will begin to comprehend what that means, what the fear of the Lord means by writing out and placing the verses in their bedrooms so that they see them, will be a daily reminder of it. And when they want something from their parents, and we say to them, no, what's usually the next word they say to us? Why? Why? And the wrong response for the parent is to try to reason with them. I've seen so many parents that try to reason with your kids. That will only result in arguments. The problem with this response is that it puts the parent as the final authority. When you try to reason, the child does not learn to fear God, but he's only driven away and a wedge is put between him and his parents. The wise response when the child, when you say no and the child says why, why is to say, we must answer to God for the way we trained you. So, let's ask God to give us some reasons why this would be a good thing or why this would be a bad thing. And together, write down from the Word of God what God says about it. You see, that makes not you the final authority, but God the final authority. And then thirdly, build your lives around the Word of God. Build your lives in your home. Build it around the Word of God. The primary way to learn the fear of the Lord is by the Word of God. And already we've seen many verses tonight that help us to understand that. God instructed His people in Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 10. He said, Gather me the people together, and I will make them hear my words, that they may learn to fear me all the days that they shall live upon the earth, and that they may teach their children. Gather me the people together, I'll make them hear my words. The Word of God. Build your lives around the Word of God. I said this to our Sunday school class in the auditorium. We build our lives around the church. We come to church and hear the Word of God. We build our lives at home around the Word of God. God clarified that command when He said in Deuteronomy 5, verse 29, He said, Oh, that there were such an heart in them that they would fear Me and keep all My commandments always, that it might be well with them and with their children forever. God sent the Lord Jesus Christ into this world to clarify the commands of the Mosaic Law. His famous Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said over and over again a phrase like this in Matthew 5, 21. He said, ye have heard that it hath been said by them of old time. And he talked about a certain thing and then he said, but I say unto you. And he clarified what they said in the Old Testament. Later, Jesus explained in John 14.10, He said, The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, He doeth the works. A careful study of the Gospels reveals that there are 49 general commands that the Lord gives to all believers, and we've studied them on several different occasions. Related to each command is a character trait or a character quality that will be developed in our lives as we learn to keep that command and follow it. Wise parents will teach those commands to their children, and then they will help to build those character qualities in their lives. And then, fourthly, make known the mighty works of God. Make known the mighty works of God. David was a man after God's own heart. Amen? He learned to fear the Lord by delighting in His law. In Psalm 1, verse 2, it says, "...but His delight is in the law of the Lord..." And in His law doth He meditate day and night. We learn to fear the Lord by delighting in His Word and by rehearsing the mighty acts of God. You read through the Psalms, and the mighty power of God is the underlying theme that David gave in those Psalms. God carried out great and powerful works so that all the people on the earth would know and fear the Lord. In fact, that's one of the reasons God chose the nation of Israel, so the world could see the mighty power of God and works of God as He worked in the nation of Israel. In Psalms 4, verse 9, He said, And all men shall fear and shall declare the work of God, for they shall wisely consider of His doings. We as parents ought to have in our home examples in our life of God answering prayer. That is very, very important for our children. God needs to God God does, and our children need to see the miraculous work of God in their own family and in their own lives. Remember what the definition of the word miracle is? A miracle, and you ought to write this down, it's a natural or supernatural event. With precise timing that brings glory to God. A natural or a supernatural event with pre- precise timing that brings glory to God. For example, your family may have a need of a certain item, maybe a certain amount of money. It's needed on a certain day, it's got to be paid at a certain time. And you ask God as a family, you ask God to but you don't tell anybody else, just you, pray about it. And on that very day, when that amount is due, you receive exactly the amount from some unexpected source and you know God answered your prayers. Our, chi- our children never forget those experiences. I still remember one time, again, growing in a preacher's family and having a large family. I remember one time when Dad said, we've got to have new tires on the car. We had what we called May Pops on our car. That means they may pop any time. And so we prayed. We had to have time, And we prayed about it. And Dad went to the post office and checked the mail. And there was a check that was sent to him that was exactly what he needed to buy new tires for the car. And this is many years later. I still remember that. Your kids need to have examples of that in their life. When they prayed specifically and God heard them and God answered their prayer. And keep a journal of those things. It helps to teach them the fear of the Lord, and God becomes a real person to them. He's real. He's not just somebody way off in the distance. He hears our prayer. He answers our prayer. And He becomes real to them. And then number five, analyze the reproofs of life. Analyze the reproofs of life. When we knowingly or unknowingly violate one of God's principles of life, there are predictable consequences. These are called, by God, the reproofs of life. The reproofs are like pain that comes when you touch a hot stove. There's a a reproof. Don't touch it. It's going to hurt you. When something bad happens, analyze with your children the causes. Why did that happen? Explain that reproofs are from the Lord so that we'll stay on the right path so that we won't do those things again. God appeals to us in Proverbs 1, verse 23. He says, Turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you, I will make known my words unto you. The reproofs of life must be taught in relation to the commands of Scripture that are taught by the parents. Proverbs 6.20 says, My son, keep thy father's commandments, and forsake not the law of thy mother. Proverbs 6.23 says, For the commandment is a lamp, and the law is light, and reproofs of distru- of re- uh, the reproofs of instruction are the way of life. A car accident for a young teenage boy may be a reproof for life. It also may be an opportunity for Satan to be the devourer of his assets. I remember a young man one time had asked his dad about going with some of his friends on a skiing trip. And his dad said to him something like this. He said, I'm not going to tell you no, but he said, I really don't want you to go. If you want to go... You can, but I'm not for it. So he didn't really tell him no, but his son went, and in the process of that, they were in a pretty serious car accident. And the son never forgot that. He didn't listen to the reproofs of his father, and there were consequences that came as a result of it. Our children need to see that. They need to understand there are consequences to sin. And those Sometimes there are minor consequences. You touch something hot, you burn your hand. That's a minor consequence. But you can be in an automobile accident, and there can be lifelong consequences. I know of a preacher. God was dealing with him about preaching, becoming a pastor, a preacher. And he just kind of pushed away and pushed back on it and and didn't listen. He was a very successful businessman. And for a number of years, and finally one day, he heard the screeching of the tires out in front of his car and ran out to see that his little boy had been struck by an automobile and was severely, seriously injured. And his son, for the rest of his life, had to use those metal crutches that he put on his his arms and, and used to get around. And that dad told the Lord, he said, Yes, Lord, I'll surrender. I'll do what you want me to do. And dad got a second pair of crutches, and he put it in the corner in his prayer room. He said, to remind me every day of the consequences of my not listening to the Lord. We don't want those lifelong consequences, amen? You don't want your children to have those lifelong consequences. So let them see the cause and effect. Let them see the consequences to rejecting God's word, and teach them to have a proper fear of the Lord. We plead with our young people not to violate God's moral laws. Proverbs six thirty two and 33 says, Whoso committeth adultery with a woman lacketh understanding. He that doeth it destroyeth his own soul. A wound and dishonor shall he get, and his reproach shall not be wiped away. We warn them of the consequences. And then number six, give examples to those who had no fear of God. Give examples. Both the Bible and history are filled with gripping accounts of those who chose to reject God and to reject His ways and how they suffered the tragedies of loss of wealth and health and honor and life. Children need to hear these stories. They also need to meet people that have violated God's moral standards. When I was a kid growing up, my dad for many years had a jail service on Sunday afternoons. And he would take my brothers and, and myself to the jail and we would sing in the jail and dad would preach. And later when I was pastoring in Georgia while I was in college, I had a jail service on Sunday afternoons. We would go there. I saw as a child, and I saw it later as an adult, the consequences of those who rejected God's word and God's word. I remember a lady that we got to know through the jail ministry in Georgia and she ended up in, in uh, I think, the penitentiary for a long time. But this lady was drinking one day, and this was back before the days of car seats and all of that stuff that we have today. And as she was driving under the influence, she went around the curve of a road, and somehow her car door came open and her baby fell out of the car. And in her intoxicated condition, she realized the baby had fallen out of the car, and so she backed up to get her baby and ran over and killed her own baby. I'll never forget that. I didn't see it, but I heard it. Our kids need to know the consequences. Take your kids sometime down to the rescue mission, to a service there. Let them see the consequences of what alcohol does, of what drugs do. Vicky and I were in Florida this week in a, for the Tom Raper Foundation meeting, and we were board meeting, and we were going down the road one day. And there was this lady, she was probably in her 20s, mid-20s maybe. And she was kind of just doing all kinds of crazy things. And she actually came out on the road in front of the traffic. And there was a red light and she came out and she came between the cars. And the light changed and the cars had to wait for her. And you could just tell she was, it appeared to be under the influence of some type of drugs. And she was literally out of her mind. Our kids need to understand the consequences. They need to see that sometimes and know their consequences to those things that people do. Give examples of those that had no fear of God. An effective way, again, is to let them see what happens to those that are prisoners to alcohol and to drugs and to lust. So how are we going to raise kids that will not rebel Develop security in each child with wise limitations. Give wise limitations. Let them know what the consequences are. Teach the child to the Lord. Instill in them a, a strong desire to be wise. Explain the fear of the Lord to them and the rewards that come from those who have that proper fear. Build your life around the Word of God. Make known the mighty works of God. Let them see the answers to prayer and God... Become real to them. Analyze the reproofs of life. Why did God let certain things happen? And Give examples of those that had no fear of God. Let them see what happens, what the consequences are when we have no fear of God. I think all of us want to raise godly kids, amen? We don't want to raise those that are going to be rebellious. We want them to learn the fear of God and to follow Him all the days of their life. Amen.